Welcome back to episode number 215 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are revisiting the incident update for the 2021 coal dust explosion in Baltimore, Maryland. For those of you that will remember, we covered this incident back in episode 210, so five episodes ago. And this would have been released a couple of weeks before I'm recording this episode now and before this is coming out live. And when we sent that podcast episode out to our community, a newsletter reader actually sent us an email back with some updated information for this incident that happened in Baltimore. Some updated videos, some updated news articles, and we wanted to shoot another update to revisit this incident. As we've mentioned in episode 210, these incident updates are really meant to keep track of this information over time. So the combustible dust incident database at dustsafetyscience.com is really meant to be a, a living, breathing database of these combustible dust incidents. So ones where we can get more information, get enhanced optics into what's actually occurred for these type of incidents, we put research updates there, we track those over time. That allows us to build on that knowledge, build on the lessons that are learned through these incidents over time as more information is becoming available for them. So again, last time in episode 210 that we covered this incident, we discussed the OSHA citations and penalties that were released and what that told us about what may have occurred in the explosion here. In this podcast episode, we are going to talk a bit more about what happened here. So we're going to revisit what we talked about last week. We're going to discuss some of the new videos that have become available, discuss some of the newest news reports that have been released, and also the repercussions that are coming out of this incident over time. And this is still a, an investigation that's underway, a work in progress. The incident itself actually happened December 30th, two thousand. 21. So that would have been just over a year ago. But the OSHA citations and penalties are likely still in the phase where the company can, can come back and dispute those, as well as some of the things that we're going to discuss today in terms of other activities that are ongoing after this incident. So when this explosion happened, we knew that it happened in Baltimore, Maryland. We knew that it occurred on December 30th, 2021. And the site was run by a railroad company that operated in the United States and Canada. They were doing shipping from rail to boat and from boat to rail of coal material. So it was unclear what the exact process or the more processing of the coal that was done on the site. And there really wasn't much information beyond an explosion was reported by local news authorities shortly after 1130 on December 30th as coal was being moved on a conveyor. So it was very limited information that was available other than that. And we kind of just let that sit in the ASIN database and didn't think a lot of it because normally when we do these enhanced research activities, we're doing these on instances that cause injuries, that cause loss of life. In this case, that didn't occur, so we sort of left it. However, once we did see the OSHA citation penalties came out, we reopened this incident in the database to try to gather more information that happened. And it's been kind of interesting since that time because more information has still come out even since we recorded this podcast episode just a, a number of weeks ago now for episode 210. So what did we talk about last time in episode 210? So we discussed the OSHA citation report Again, this summarizes citations and violations that were proposed by the local OSHA authority in Maryland against that company. There were nine serious penalties covering seven items and totaled $121,200 in proposed penalties for those citations. Unfortunately, there was no narrative published with this citation report. So often you will see, well, sometimes you will see uh, a narrative, a summary of what actually occurred published with this, which gives you a really nice idea of what the investigation results were. In this case, I was not given. And all we had was the citation penalties and the individual citations themselves, and the text within those citations to try to draw some of the conclusions 
of what actually happened in this incident. So from that episode in 210, you can find that at dustsafetyscience.com slash 210. It looked like OSHA's investigation was directed at activities that were undertaken in the North Tunnel and West Escape Tunnel on December 30th. And that was the day that the explosion was reported. And they discussed unclogging a blocked hatchway or a feeder to reset a coal conveyor trip line that had occurred or trip in the line that had occurred. There were several violations, including not wearing respirators, another protective equipment, no respiratory protection program, no written hazardous area classification document for the tunnel or elsewhere on the coal terminals. There were statements that the equipment in the tunnel included electrical control panel, overhead lighting, and outlet and transformers were not approved for potential hazardous areas. And there's a lack of testing, a term if a hazardous area exists in the tunnel, both with gas monitoring and for combustible dust monitoring as well. And that was all the information that was really available that we covered last time in the podcast. So we still weren't 100% sure if it was a dust explosion, a gas explosion, a hybrid mixture explosion. We didn't know if it was an isolated event in that tunnel or in that area of the transporting facility. And we didn't know if the explosion propagated elsewhere, if they propagated into a silo or into a conveyor. We did discuss that there were some fire investigation interviews that mentioned this five-story coal silo and some of the local people in the area when they did interviews as well discussed what sounded like uh, large explosions in the silo, plumes of smoke, potentially coal dust thrown into the air. And that did sound like maybe a dust explosion from that standpoint, but that information was not available in the OSHA citation report as it was published. So a couple of new things have been found here. Again, I want to thank this listener. I won't name them here because I haven't asked them yet, but for submitting this information when they heard the podcast. And likewise, if we ever do these instant updates or hear about anything through dust safety science, you can send additional information that you have to myself at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. That can be shared with the community. The lessons learned can be generated in a totally anonymous manner. As you'll know, we're not naming the name of the company in this podcast episode, for instance. Our goal here is to avoid you know, shame and blame and that sort of stuff. Instead, we are actually trying to get and uncover what happened and how we can avoid this in the future by sharing this information more broadly. So what new was provided then? So there are new videos that were, were accessed and also new news articles. So let's talk about the videos first. We'll post a link to these news videos at the podcast show notes for this episode, which is dustsafetyscience.com slash 115. And we'll post a number of videos there. I think we have three that we'll show. We'll also put these videos in the Dust Safety Academy as well. And if you're not a member of the Dust Safety Academy, it's free to join. And our library of videos there is getting up close to probably 100 of videos like this showing large-scale dust explosions, news reports, resources, training modules, all that sort of stuff, as well as you know dozens of written resources that we have in there as well. Our goal with that is just to have a central repository where people can go and search and look for information that's valuable for them and their work. And these videos are actually quite helpful. If you know somebody that's you know, working with a company that has a coal conveyor system and transfer towers, having this sort of video that shows this sort of incident occurring can be a really helpful learning opportunity to increase awareness of, of what could happen there. So the videos, it's still hard to tell, but it does look like there's a very long conveyor system with several transfer towers that go from one side, like a conveyor comes into the transfer tower and then out the other side of the transfer tower, several stories up in the air, maybe five, six stories up in the air. And in one of the videos, you can see a large fireball ejecting or coming out of one of these transfer towers and then smoke and coal dust spewing out of the conveyor system upstream or maybe downstream from this coal conveyor, this single coal conveyor tower. 
And this explosion is quite large. The, the dust that spewed out, the smoke that spewed out would be several hundreds of feet, maybe a thousand feet away from where the fireballs ejected in a matter of seconds or even a second on the, the frame of the video. So you see that there looks like a large deflagration occurred throughout the entire conveyor system, throughout the transfer towers, and ejected a fireball out of one end of the conveyor system, which is not sort of an uncommon thing when you have an explosion in a conveyor that's transporting combustible dust. That combustible dust can have fugitive dust that you know sits inside the conveyor enclosures on top of the conveyor system. That acts as the fuel to allow that deflagration to propagate unabated from one end to the other of that system. So it's still unclear. It looks like from the video that the, the five-story silo that we hear firefighters talking about, maybe local news talk about, might be inside this transfer tower. Uh, but it's not immediately evident, and I'm not that sure of the facility layout other than seeing these videos, if there's a silo in there or not, or how that structure works. But it does look like that is where this explosion was focused in terms of where the fireball was ejected coming from one of the conveyors into that transfer tower. Another conclusion that probably can be drawn here, or at least I'll, I'll make the, the observation here, is even if there was, a, say, a, a pure gas explosion in the tunnel under one of these silos, it seems unlikely that the fuel was not combustible dust throughout these conveyor systems. It, it would potentially be strange to have gas build up throughout hundreds and hundreds of feet of conveyor. Maybe not impossible, but most likely there is at least an explosion inside somewhere and that propagate throughout this conveyor system through fueled by the, the coal dust that was found there. So that's some of the videos. And again, I encourage you to go check out the videos yourself at dustsafetyscience.com slash 215 for this episode. So beyond that, we did receive a number of news articles related to this incident that were published more recently than the ones than the OSHA citation report they reviewed last time. We'll go through three of these right now. So the first was a news report released August 27th, 2020. And in this news report, discusses the after effects of the explosion. Discusses that smoke and debris was ejected from the western side of the plant and that this was known as the North Escape Tunnel. Discussed a preliminary report that was released by the company. We, we've been unable to find this report to date. This news article discussed the report and suggests that a, a fireball exited the south service entrance of the North Tower, causing the fire and damage to that transfer tower. And that it would appear to be the one that we see in that video where the fireball gets ejected between, I think probably between the conveyor system and the transfer tower, because that's where the, the fire damage appears to be in some of the photos. It says that the largest of the explosions then occurred in the following locations. The North Escape Tunnel, vertically from open feeder holes in the North Reclaim Tunnel, and from the south portal of the North Reclaim Tunnel. So this again suggests that the explosion propagated from one area of this conveyor system into adjacent areas of the conveyor system, causing subsequent potential explosions and ejecting this uh, smoke and, and dusty material up into the atmosphere as well. They do know in the article that coal dust was detected as far away as 12 blocks and that much of this was focused in the area known as the Curtis Bay neighborhood in, I believe, South Baltimore. So thick plumes of smoke formed above the facility when the explosions happened, and then the wind transferred this and supposedly deposited a lot of this material in this neighborhood of Curtis Bay. It's worth noting that the report that was provided by consultants that was referenced here does, uh, they say in the article, conflict with on-the-ground reports from firefighting teams, say that they not see any coal dust in there and that all air monitoring readings were within normal limits. Um, the videos as well do show big plumes in the air, but it's hard to tell how long they existed or where they transferred to as well. 
Daryl goes on to state that Maryland Department of Environment issued a pollution violation notice to the company that this could result in $125,000 in fines. This would be in addition to the $121,000 in OSHA citations and penalties that we talked about last week as well. So that's summary of this first article. The second article that we reviewed was a news report on January 12th, 2023. And this article stated that there was a settlement between the company and the Maryland Department of Environment in December of last year, in December of 2022, that the settlement required the company to pay a penalty of $15,000 to Maryland Department of Energy and also $100,000 to the South Baltimore Community Land Trust. From understanding, this is a nonprofit in the area which does things like infrastructure building within the community. There's a note that a company spokesperson stated that the facility was only shut down for a couple of weeks and reopened February 2022 after the explosion. Again, this was in the explosion happened in December 30th, 2021. So that would have been about a full month that the facility was shut down for. So that's the second news report. The third news report was released on October 19th, 2022. So actually released before the, the second report, but had different information. And so we want to cover it last. And so this report states that a group of Baltimore residents have actually filed a, a class action lawsuit against a company for a total of $5 million for the coal dust and debris and potentially broken windows and other things that occurred in this community, particularly coal dust and environmental impacts on this Curse Bay area after the explosion. The quote that's given in the news article says that the plaintiffs and the proposed class action members suffer a significantly increased risk of contracting latent diseases, including cancer, lead poisoning, and other serious potential diseases. The suit claims that the company was negligent because of inadequate staffing and that the company failed to comply with permit requirements. And so that class action, we did look deeper to see if we could find any additional information about that, and we could not, other than that it was launched in October of last year, and that will likely be ongoing for quite some time now, so we may provide a, another update for that for this incident at a later time. So that's it for revisiting this December 30th, 2021 coal dust explosion in Baltimore, Maryland. Again, when this incident came out, we had very little information. Um, it was recorded in our incident database. It wasn't until the OSHA citation report came out that we were able to add some more information. And then this reader reaching out and sharing more videos and more news articles allows us to keep adding to this incident to get better understanding of what happened, better understanding of the lessons that can be learned from this, and better tracking of what's happening with this incident over time. So a couple of things I want to summarize here. I mean, in terms of the impact of this explosion on the, the workers, fortunately, nobody was injured or worse in this explosion. For the company, there are several different sources of fines and penalties. We have OSHA citations that could go up to 120000 We have Maryland Department of Energy with 115000 in penalties there that have been uh, settled on. We have a $5 million class action lawsuit from the community that's going on as we record this podcast episode and probably will be for some time. We have other costs such as increased insurance, et cetera. Um, but this probably pales in comparison to the cost of that facility actually being shut down for up to a month or a couple of weeks. There is reporting here saying along the lines that the company reported earnings in that quarter of uh, multiple tens of billions of dollars or maybe single-digit billions of dollars. I lost the number here. It's unclear if that's just for this one site or you know the company in general. But a, a month-long shutdown of a site like this could easily be in the tens of millions or more. 
And that would be a tremendous cost, obviously, to the facility as well. And then we have the environmental impacts and the impacts on the community here that are really important to consider as well. This reminds me of an incident that we covered, a case study called The True Cost of Ignoring Your Combustible Dust Challenges back in episode 109 of the podcast, a couple of years ago now, where we went through a company that had multiple fires, multiple explosions, had citations, ended up having a class action lawsuit from the local city council or from the local city, um, not the council, but the people that were involved in that city. And that company eventually had to shut down as well due to ignoring these combustible challenges over time and this accumulation of issues that continue to arise. So hopefully we do not see that in this case. And I don't know if that's really the case here where the transport company would be so large, but we will see kind of where it goes from here. I'm a bit concerned. I'll, I'll kind of put it out here. I have read in some of the material that we went through that they are discussing that maybe the cause was, you know, the reason behind the explosion was a methane gas buildup. And if they're using terminology like that, it kind of makes me a bit nervous. Uh, it'd be interesting to look at the lost history to see if they had fires or smaller deflagrations before. And this is really important to consider because if you're going to you know, blame methane gas buildup and likely even blame somebody for not monitoring that correctly, you're sort of missing the point from my opinion. Coal transfer and loading areas like this have many, many, many sources of ignition. It could be smoldering material. It could be any deflagration or fire that occurs. Overheating from conveyor systems, bearings, fugitive materials, tramp metal. All these could be ignition source that can ignite coal dust deposits in the air or any deposits that get dispersed during the normal operation of this facility. We don't have to wait for methane gas to build up. And if you're not preventing or protecting from a large-scale coal dust explosion that could happen and you're only blaming the methane gas, there's a really real, unfortunately, uh, a real chance that we may see another incident here through some other ignition mechanism but that is traveling throughout the facility with multiple pieces of equipment unabated because we're blaming methane gas. The dust on its own can certainly ignite. That's the purpose of this podcast. And what's more important, if we're not protecting from secondary tertiary explosions, you can have another large incident that causes a, a very large loss to the community. And hopefully we don't see this happen, but could result you know, in more injuries than we've seen in this first incident here. So we will keep tracking this over time. We will provide more updates as they become available. We want to get this one out because there was quite a bit of information that was made available from this incident last time we put it out on the podcast as well. So I hope everyone has a safe week ahead out there. I appreciate everything you're doing. issues handling combustible dust. If you get more information about this incident in Baltimore or any other incident updates that we cover on the podcast, please don't hesitate to send them through to chris at dustsafetyscience.com and we'll use that information to share back over the community to get that instant database entry on the website updated so we can have a good understanding of the types of hazards and methods of protection and prevention for combustible dust that we are seeing out there and that can prevent this type of thing in the future. 